you are listening to Board Game Cinema. This is episode 25, The Blood of Heroes. And this episode is dedicated in memory of our friend Charles. Charles, we love you and we miss you. All right, so we are here in person, ready to talk all about this amazing movie, <laughs> this wonderful movie. So with me tonight is um, my friend Brooks. He's been on the podcast many, many times, and he's making another appearance. I can't get him to leave me alone. He keeps calling me up every day, like, can I be on the podcast? Can I be on the podcast? No, I'm just kidding. I'm so desperate. <laughs> I'm thirsty. I'm like, it's the other way around, actually. I'm begging him to be on. So Brooks, um, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Doing thanks well. for having me again. Of course. And thanks for turning me on to this fantastic film that we're about to discuss. So, you know what, you shouldn't thank me. The person that told me about this movie and told me that I should watch this movie many, many years ago is actually here tonight. And his oh, name is Justin. How you doing, nice. Justin? Hey, doing all right. How's it going? So, Justin, you never officially <laughs> appeared on the podcast as a co-host or a guest. I think I called you up randomly yeah, one day to talk about I'm, Total I'm Recall. I'm glad you thought of me when you thought That was a good segment. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, it was a good segment. Um, so, Justin is actually the person that told me about this movie because we were working together at the video store. And I don't remember if we had it. And you were like, hey, you should watch it. Or if we didn't have it and you were like, hey, we should order it. I think we snagged it from Video Bar. Gotcha. Remember, I remember loading up on tapes. Video Bar is a place that I used to go to before North American Video. Mm -hmm. They had like that five movies for five nights for $5. Good deal. And my parents would go by it once a week. Yeah. And everybody could get movies. Yeah. So I knew their selection pretty well. Awesome. So yeah, thank you for that because I definitely enjoyed the film and I've watched it a bunch of times um, throughout the years since then. Um, and so the movie, just to clarify for the listening audience, all two people out there, hi mom, hi Brett. <laughs> no, like, um, so the movie we're talking about tonight, um, so we'll do the basics on it. So it's it's called The Blood of Heroes. It also was released as Salute of the Jugger. We'll talk about that. It's a 1989 post-apocalyptic sports movie i would argue potentially um that was written and directed by david webb peoples who this guy well before we get on to him it stars rucker hauer who's in like tons of amazing movies at joan chin and also vincent d'onfrio who's also in tons and tons of stuff like right before um this movie came out he probably had his breakout role, maybe. I'm sure he did stuff before that, but what he, he got a lot of attention for was uh, Full Metal Jacket, right? He appeared in yeah, that, and then yeah. this movie kind of was like his next movie after that. Um, he gained a bunch <laughs> of weight for that role. Yeah. Too, because he used to be like, people think of him like Kingpin now, but he used to be like Thor in Adventures of Babysitting. Like, right. He used to be really buff. <laughs> I actually watched he, it. He bulked up again for this movie, Blood of Heroes. I watched Adventures of Babysitting wow. not too long ago, and I was like, oh, there's Vincent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was the OG Thor, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, just a real quick on David um, Webb Peoples before we um, jump into talking about the movie a little bit more. Um, David Webb Peoples... Um, he has written a ton of stuff, like a ton of like, it's pretty interesting looking at his filmography because he wrote the screenplays for In Order, Blade Runner, Lady Hawk, Leviathan, The Blood of Heroes, Unforgiven, Hero, 12 Monkeys, and Soldier. And those are like a lot of movies that I really like, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. So, it's impressive. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the setup of the movie. Um, <clears throat> not, you know... 
probably maybe have a spoiler warning. I don't know if we're going to venture into spoilers or not. Spoilers, but, I don't think, are very critical. There's not a lot of like, plot twists <laughs> in yeah. the movie. <laughs> True. Just, yeah, I, th- I think it'd be good for the audience to like manage expectations. Like as far as what what type of movie this is, I think it's really good for what it does. I think uh, David Webb Peoples like didn't get super ambitious for his directorial debut. Right. He made a very straightforward s- story. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think we should worry about spoilers. Not a lot of spoilers. Not, yeah. Not a lot of it, It's a movie that really, so it checks a lot of the things I like in movies. One is post-apocalyptic. Two, it has Roger Hauer. Three, it's really weird. Four, it is a sports movie, like a sports movie. Yeah. Five, it is, it has this whole like elaborate world building. That's the but, yeah. but six, it like has a lot of space to breathe. So basically... They just say the, this is the way that the world is, and that's it. Like they don't. There's no like need to have like a backstory of like why are things this way or how did this get this way. So it's, for me, it, like it hits like a home run on a lot of levels. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think, Justin? You want to? Well, tell I was going to say like as far as the backstory, it seems like he worked everything out in his own head, but he felt no need to explain anything. Yeah. Like there's little things. Like people have little gears or whatever that they use as currency. Yeah. No explanation. Yeah. At all. I think the opening text. Just says, hey, nobody knows what happened to the world. Yeah. Nobody knows why they use the dog's goal for jugging. It's pretty much just just roll with it, you know? Yeah. And no need. It's just like, this is the world. People don't explain. Like, we don't explain our world to each other. You know, we just live in it. So, yeah, there's a lot of that. So, there's a lot of unexplained stuff, which I kind of like. It leads a lot to the imagination. But you can tell there's a consistency to where they work this stuff out. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like the opening, so this is the first time I ever watched it. I hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. And when the opening like uh, text comes up mm-hmm. about people don't remember the golden age or technology and things like that, they just remember, or, or I don't know, they just know that Juggers started playing the game and mm-hmm. nobody knows why they use the dog's hole. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is my kind of movie. <laughs> like, this is great. Uh, but yeah, like that's pretty much the extent of the backstory of this whole world. Yeah. That like it's just that. Like nobody remembers, nobody knows. Yeah. It's just like they've been living in this that told me like they've been in this post apocalyptic state for generations. For so long that nobody yeah. Like now there was one one point where where the kids are singing some like song. I forget what song it is, but it's a song like London Bridge is falling down. Okay. And that I was like, okay, so like that made its way through the generations. It does take place on Earth. Something, yeah. yeah, like something made its way through the generations. World but like, There's not a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no technology really in the world per se. There's some scenes where people are, once they get to the Red City, where people are maybe like welding, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's definitely like an elevator. There's electric lights. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are electric lights down there. So there's a power source there. from something. Yeah. In the city. But yeah. in the, <laughs> the towns, there doesn't seem to be much technology. Oh, like, well, no no towns, guns or anything. It, it seems like the beginning of Civilization almost, even though it's a future movie. Mm-hmm. It seems like what I'd imagine, like the outskirts, like outside of... Um, city states in like Mesopotamia might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we reverted back to that, but there's all this uh, stuff that people reuse from the modern, t- from the 20th century. You know, like old tires as helmets. Yeah. And all that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> but pretty much everything yeah. else is just like back to, like everything's reset. It's back to the beginning, back to square one. <laughs> right. And th- there's nothing to do except like when these juggers come to town, it's a big deal. Yeah. And that's how the movie starts. It's like, um, yeah. 
the, the juggers are coming into the distance and this kid's running in. He's like, oh, the, the juggers, juggers are, are coming. Yeah. Yeah. He's running through these fields of, I don't know what it is. It looks like sticks and bamboo. And yeah. It's like dead like corn. Dead, dead. I'm like, what are they, dead what are they farming? <laughs> it's like the most desolate like place I've ever seen in my life yeah. on film. It's like literally like a desert's desert. Like other deserts are like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the opening scene, it it looks like the pyramids of Giza, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, are these the pyramids? And then people walk up, and you realize the scale and the size. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, like that's another thing. You have no idea where this is supposed to take place on the planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess it it's doesn't matter. It was yeah, filmed it in Australia. Yeah, yeah. southern right. Aus- southern Australia, yeah. like Mad Max type territory, yeah. I guess. But, but no cars. This, yeah. yeah. So no cars, but so I always like try to research the films, and it's weird because the version that we watch in the U.S., the version that's available on videotape, I'm, I'm sure we watched on videotape um, back in the day. Um, it's a 90 minute version, but if you watch it theatrically in Europe, it's 10 minutes longer, and there's a scene in that version um, that it shows two guys drive up in a car. Really? And they're some type of military or security. And the juggers, who easily could just, you know, they, they don't have guns. They don't have weapons. But the juggers, who easily could, um, you know, kill those guys. Like, I mean, we see how brutal and... Right. right? They all get on. It's it's very similar to almost like samurai, like the way that like regular people interact with samurai cast, where you like would look down and not like look at the samurai. And they give them some of those like little washers and trinkets, <laughs> and they don't really say very much. There's no dialogue really, and then like they drive off in in this like armored Mad Max looking like vehicle. But that's never in version that you see in the U.S. I only saw that in a deleted scene like on YouTube. Well, hmm. you talk about. Isn't it like the League of the Nine, nine Cities? Correct. There's so nine yeah, cities. we could have went to the, like the most like impoverished of the mid- mega cities. Yeah, we don't or whatever. know. Her. Like, that's just, like, the yeah. team for that city. And I guess they can take challengers, and that's how they get new players. New players, yeah. So That just makes me want to see, like, a... a sequel. A, yeah, a sequel. Yeah. 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 I want to see some of these other cities. And yeah. Like, yeah. Like, the blue city, or the black city. Yeah, city. yeah. I think that's a testament to the world building. He's like, Absolutely. oh, yeah, you can go other places in here. You know, it yeah. feels like a lived-in, real place, other world. Yeah, it also has a different ending in the European Oh, version. wow. You yeah. want to see that version? You can't even get a good version. No, of this the one. version that is on Amazon no. Prime is terrible. It's so terrible. like it's so dark. It's dark. You can't it's understand muddy. half the dialogue. Like, yeah, it's terrible. Like the, the I don't uh, watch with it's, subtitles. It's needs like a re like a whatever that's called like a. So it's bad transfer. Something. It's it's in four three aspect ratio. Four three. Yeah. And um, there's no shadow detail. So yeah. if there's shadow, it's black. Yeah. And there's you a know. lot of shadow in the yeah. movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it has a slightly different ending. Not, I mean, um, it kind of the movie, our version that we see, it kind of just ends in the movie. Yeah, they win, and it's like credits. It's over. <laughs> but in the movie, um, in the European version, there's like an extra scene at the end where you see a young quick, and he's like super nervous because he sees these other juggers like come into the field. And at first, he's like, "Oh, maybe they won't show." And then you see these juggers coming like up through the mist, and they have like all the gear on and stuff. And uh, Rucker Howard puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like, um, don't worry, just play hard. Your fear will go away. And so he's basically out on the road again, oh, like wow. with a new group of people, yeah. like going around from town to town and like proving his wear. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. That's I see cool. If there's like a PAL version of that or something because 
Europeans seem to be really into it too. Like you sent that link to the YouTube video. Like Europeans have these like league jugger leagues. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm sure that's a whole nother topic you wanted to talk about. Yeah, we can definitely yeah. get into that too. Um, that to me is, yeah, I just stumbled upon that again doing research. I had no idea that since 1993, people all around Europe have been playing a version of the game. So just to be... You know, clear for the audience. So the movie essentially is about like this made up sport. David Peoples made up this sport um, <clears throat> called Jugger, where you have a team of five people and they're trying to put a dog skull onto a spike. And the different people have different like weapons and there's some kind of tactics, obviously. Yeah. Although it's not very clear in the movie, like yeah. what the tactics really are. It's more or less like brutality is the tactic. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there are different positions. There's a quick, the quick is the person that. Um, they don't have a weapon, and they're the only ones that can actually advance the skull of the dog. And then there's a slash, um, <clears throat> which is Rucker Hauer. And then there's a back charge and a drive, which is, um, I think his name's Delroy Lindo. He plays yeah, M- yeah. Mbula. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the back, the, I don't big, know which was which. Big but, name for this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great cast. And then the, the, the lady is uh, Big Kimber. She's the one that, like, she's, she's on the team. And then the last member is uh, Vincent Yafrio. He plays what's called a griffer. And a griffer, they have like a chain. Yeah. It's kind of like Roman gladiator type, type yeah, vibes, definitely. right? Like, you know. All of it. So, you know, all yeah. of it was very much felt like that. Right. Yeah. And so, anyway, people, I guess, in Germany, started in Germany, they took this made up game for the movie and made it into like a real game. It's sort of similar, I think, to like how people have done that with Harry Potter, like yeah. much, much later yep. with Quidditch or whatever. I was thinking that. This probably is like the first, I would imagine, that like a made-up game from a movie became a real sport. And they have like international tournaments where like people come from all over the, the at least Europe yeah. and you know, maybe from the US, I don't know, um, and play a sort of much, much more sanitized version of it, you know? Um, although yeah. I was watching some videos on YouTube about um, in LA, they have this like... Um, apocalypse weekend and people there it's still like padded like implements and stuff but they actually wear because in the european version in the movie the documentary i'm jugger available on youtube it's like they wear t-shirts and shorts but in the um american version that i saw this um some highlights from on youtube they're more into the spirit of like the movie they like dress up like as if they're like you know mad max or in that movie so people it definitely is um impacted people it seems like a lot people seem like they dig it yeah and i thought it was really cool that the director didn't seem to have any idea that this was going on for a long time Mm -hmm. until he realized like much later that people had turned this into a real sport or actually playing it which obviously like that made him feel great about about the movie because the movie i don't think did very well but nah. uh, <laughs> in, in the um, in the documentary I Am Jugger, at the beginning of it, they did have interviews with the director. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, "There is my first outing." He's making a lot of excuses for a movie <laughs> yeah. I really like. You know, yeah, he's like, it's my he's first like, outing. It's my first I would, movie. I would do things differently now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it did great. I have no idea. I saw it originally on Showtime. Like okay. when I was like maybe twelve or thirteen, and I was just watching stuff as it was coming on, yeah. and that just grabbed me. I got immersed into the, like just the world they created. I don't like sports. I didn't like yeah. sports when I was a kid or anything like that. Um, I like action, violence, and movies. You mm-hmm. know, I did like kickboxing and stuff like that. So the violence kind of grabbed me, and it was well done. The action was well done, but as far as the sports aspect of it, 
you know, it's just, I guess it's a testament to how cool the movie is because I don't like sports. Yeah. And this is a, a sports movie, essentially. Yeah, but yeah. It, the sports in the movie are like more like a vehicle for like Rucker Howard's character because he has a backstory and he gets like redemption by like, he had been exiled, he goes back. Yeah. And then Joan Chen, she's kind of like Luke Skywalker, like stuck on the farm. She like wants to get off the farm and like go see the big city or Farming whatever. Yeah. Dead bamboo and dirt. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, so early early in the movie when she's like following them, mm -hmm. it even made me think of like Seven Samurai, where yeah. like the oh, young yeah. samurai is like trying to catch up with the other, like the more like experienced guys. Yeah, it has a little bit of a samurai vibe, and it also has a little bit of like a western vibe yeah. too. Yeah, some definitely. Parts, you know, yeah. she's like the young gun kind of, yeah. and he's she's learning from the older gun hand who's like on his last leg basically and he goes back into the town that had like kicked him out yeah so i don't know i think it has a lot of like i don't i'm like justin it has like a lot of stuff going for it and yeah david webb peoples he definitely is like <laughs> hey guys you know catch give me a break right it came out a long time ago <laughs> like yeah. and like the first movie yeah. i don't know what i was doing <laughs> yeah i just feel like he should be proud of it i mean it definitely impacted people yeah but it is weird in that like I don't. I, it's a movie that if you tell people if they've seen it, most people I think would be like, "Nah, I never heard of it. I never yeah. seen it. I don't." They you know, haven't. Yeah, yeah I never. I had never heard of it. Right. Until you brought it up for this. Yeah, and I'd never heard and of it. Has it a big cast from Justin. Yeah. Great cast. Great right? cast. Yeah, you think Great if somebody's cast. just going through the filmography of some of these act actors, you know, they would yeah. find out about it. But it's it, it's hard to find. I did, I was surprised when you told me it was on Amazon. I had the DVD. Okay. But then I sold all my DVDs because I had to clear out space. Yeah, yeah. You know, but so I didn't know I even had access to it anymore. So yeah, that was it was cool. on Amazon. Thank God it but was it, on Amazon. But it also has just like incredible like makeup, like the costumes, everything about the movie. I feel like is really well done. Like all every yeah. because everybody every jugger has crazy scars, and, and you all see of them. it. And now maybe it was the fact that I was watching it on Amazon and the the version was like terrible and it wasn't very like high definition right. but it looked incredible i thought yeah um the now, wardrobe yeah mean. the wardrobe yeah. the prosthetics the music is as, cool as far as like the yeah the scars and like the makeup i thought all of that was done really well yeah. i mean and again like it's uh it's almost watching like uh guar like play a sport <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's what it felt like yeah. which is yeah it's really cool it's something about that era of like late like late 1980s, early 1990s, where like craftsmanship, like practical effects and yeah. makeup, craftsmanship hit its peak. It was just before CG Pre -CGI, came in and, yep. and wrecked everything. But it was like that late stage before CGI really kind of took over. So even with these like B movies, these low budget movies, you see a lot of really well done costumes and yeah. and uh, sets. And uh, this movie is like no exception. I think there's a lot of cool like. B movies from the late '80s that I really dig that I saw back in the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> One thing I liked about the movie too is how they kept time because they yeah. just had like a guy throw rocks. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's a hundred stones, it's a hundred stone match. Hundred stones, like, you know. The dude's just throwing rocks. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like throwing like, rocks. <laughs> like, yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, yeah, the leak play. They're like, nobody's got past twenty six stones. Right. He's like, everybody's nobody's watching the match. It's just like. The team's playing and the officials there until they like he's got to sixty stones yeah. and then he's got past twenty six. Then every, the crowd comes in because yeah. that's how much of a nobodies these people were right. in the cities. They're a bunch of hayseeds, They're like yeah. dirt farmers coming yeah. in <laughs> to the big city yeah. or coming down to the big city, I should say. That that elevator, right. like Dude, they're falling, the elevator falling, took how long? They're falling asleep. They're taking. Yeah. Maps and stuff before yeah. the elevator got down to the bottom. Yeah. That, was a, 
I thought that was a really cool part of the movie, though. There's, like, like little like, elements like that that yeah. make it really cool. Because, like, first of all, they show up and they're waiting for the elevator. Long And you can long. tell there are tons of people waiting for the elevator. And who knows how long, how many days they're waiting. It's like one trip a day or something. Yeah. Right. And then you go down on the elevator and, yeah, people are falling asleep on it. You're, like, taking your time. You're waking up. You're seeing stuff as you go down. Yeah, it's like, that elevator. part of the world building was incredible. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Thought, too. But it definitely implied that, like, at some point in whatever nuclear holocaust or whatever, super volcano, whatever it happened, somewhere along the way, somebody thought, like, we've got to build, like, this giant structure underground yeah. in order to, like, keep humanity going. That yeah. made me and, think nuclear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, I mean, the fact that it was so underground, like, what else would it be? radioactivity or yeah. something. Yeah. But they don't tell you. They don't tell they you. They don't tell you. It. And nobody knows. And it's they not. Don't know. It's not important. Yeah, they don't know, right? It's not super yeah. important, and I kind of like it better because it lets you fill in like what's going on. Like he said with the currency, a lot of movies they'd be like, like Joan Chen as the hayseed from the farm. When they went from place to place, David Webb Peoples could have used her to be just an explaining device to the yeah. audience. For her, she could ask them a question like, oh, why do, why do you guys give them nuts and bolts? And then they would tell you, like, this is our currency. These are quattros and these are machos or whatever, you know? But he didn't yeah. do any of that. In fact, like, one of the things I like about the movie, there's, like, not a ton of dialogue. Well, even, no, even why, okay, maybe it's clear. Maybe I missed something. Um, but Rucker Howard got kicked out of the league, not mm -hmm. because he lost a game or anything, but he got involved with a woman. Yeah. And I assume it's that rich guy with the ponytail. Lord, his name is Lord Vile, if you look yeah. in the credits. Yeah. His, yeah. his daughter that's like licking blood off people's his hands. His daughter or his that's wife? That's his daughter? I thought it was his wife. Oh, okay. I didn't know. But, but Vincent D'Onofrio, I just remember he had a line. It's like, he messed up. He's the one who slept with that girl when right. he was like 20 or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And But they don't go into it no, at they don't. all. But that's like the reason that uh, Lord Vile wants um, the other players to just target him and like kill him in the ring. Yeah. Because like he doesn't care about like the challenge or the game itself. He's like, oh, good. Like smash this guy up. Yeah. Like he's really like he's I guess there's not a real antagonist in the movie that's like set up at the beginning. No. And goes through like pretty much they become a cohesive team playing out in the, you know, the dirt farm Boom towns. Yeah. yeah. And then he eventually decided, okay, we're going to go for it. They're not going to accept the match, though, because cause reasons. Like, cause, right. Because <laughs> yeah. Rucker Howard, you know, because this event happened, they don't talk about. Yeah. I think three things. One is, I think it's a good point. There's not an antagonist that's said at the beginning. The antagonist that I look at in the movie that's said at the beginning is when Joan Chen's character, Kita, when her mother or grandmother, whoever that is, tells her at the very beginning, she's like, Life is hard everywhere. To me, that's like the antagonist of the movie. It's like, <laughs> this existence is just Survival. like, yeah. you're going to just be ground to nothingness in this world. It's like straight yeah. hardcore. Two, that character, Lord Vile's girlfriend slash wife slash daughter slash whatever, she has the titular line essentially when she's yeah. like, I don't like brutality. I like heroics. I like the blood of heroes. And she starts straight like licking blood off. Yeah. <laughs> and then three, the guy that used to play with Sallow, Rucker Hauer, his name's Gonzo. He has a really cool line because when he comes down, he's like, I told you to smash him. You just held him there. And he was like, I've broken bones in the arena or the field or whatever. I've let I've left wet brains on the ground behind me. I will do anything to win. But I have never heard anybody with unless I was trying to put a skull on a spike. Yeah. So he basically was saying, like, I have a code and I'm following the code. I don't care like what you say. Like yeah. I'm not gonna just hurt somebody to hurt somebody. And I thought that was really cool because yeah, it's just all brutality. He right. likes the spectacle yeah. of it, like uh, like a 
you know, a Roman emperor right. yeah. doing like the bloody sport of gladiatorial combat. He just likes the blood, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, I, I thought that was a nice touch. It gave, but yeah, and I guess he was supposed to be Gonzo was supposed to be kind of the antagonist, kind of set up, and he didn't he didn't play that. He was which like, is awesome. No. Yeah, because great. he could have very made so, him very two dimensional and yeah, just been like very absolutely. Un- I kind of like that it's an unconventional structure. I like how they don't explain things. It kind of is what it is. It kind of happens. Their journey kind of happens organically and doesn't follow no this no romance. traditional narrative. No, no, yeah, no romance. <laughs> they do get busy. Oh, Joan Chen gets busy with yeah, Vanessa no or they try <laughs> they try to, but their wounds are it's like too bad. Yeah, it's like Juggers can't. Get yeah. down with juggers, but yeah. then like when they're staying at that, ho- we should talk about that the hotel at the city, <laughs> I don't know, which is pretty much hotel, cots hanging off the side of a wall. Yeah, and it is cool as they're climbing up too. You see people with like bedpans, like throwing them over the edge and stuff. Suicide like, tell. That was like you just roll over at night and you fall too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And somebody's yelling from the bottom. They're like, oh, that's "Don't dump that out!" Oh, or yeah. I'll come up there and knock you or something. <laughs> yeah. Like they're like dumping out. Like yeah. I don't know. One of the cots when they showed the pan down or whatever. Like there was like a dog sitting in the cot, and I'm like, "You're bringing your dog up there? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's my hotel room." Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that was uh, that was really cool. I also really liked the fact that like these guys had such like sportsmanship. About playing the game. And a code of honor. Yeah, a code of honor. Like, there's this... It's such a brutal game where they're beating the shit out of each other. And yeah, at times, like, breaking bones, smashing heads, whatever. But at the end, as soon as the game's over, they're, like, hugging. Yeah, they're, like, best friends, you know? Well, it's interesting. I thought that was great. What's interesting, too, is there doesn't seem to be a lot of opportunities for regular people in this world. And there does seem to be, like, a rich class, like like uh, Lord there, Vile. There's an aristocracy, yeah. for sure. They don't go into the specifics or the politics. Mm-hmm. It's completely not a political movie. It's, they don't talk about, like, class or anything like uh-huh. that. But it does seem that, like... If you're a poor dirt farmer, like the only thing that's interesting or you can aspire to to have an interesting life is jugging and completely messing yourself up, getting like disfigured yeah. and injured, but you're like only take it out of your town or to the city or any kind of luxury. They talk yeah. about like silk, mm-hmm. you know, like and, and nice food. And like the only way a poor person can do that is through yeah. this game. Yeah. yeah, but if you're like farming dead corn, like your only <laughs> <laughs> your only entertainment, I guess, is jug is juggers coming to town, and they also um, played some weird accordions. They were like, whenever, oh, that like, was cool. Yeah, they, play, they like, got right. the thing working again, yeah. which I thought was neat. Yeah, that was cool. So juggers come to the town, they play the game, and they win, right? Right, and then, they then there's a party, a party afterwards. Right. Is that how they get paid? I noticed people were throwing like the the washers and gears into like the. Dog school to enter the party. I assume that, that that's the takeaway. So it's never explained. What I took in the movie is that they go to the town. They go from town to town. Kind of like in the early United States, people would go to town to town and wrestle. So like you would show up to a town and you would do what's called, what used to be called catch wrestling. And it was, it was, I'm not talking about like WWE, I'm talking more about like folk style, like what you see like in high school, American high schools. That's like a descendant long long ago descendant of that type of wrestling where you would go to a town and like you would wrestle and you'd be like okay who's the toughest guy in the town this guy you know would come on be like i'm the toughest guy and then they would like people would pay to like see this match and then you'd see this match and then they would if the winner would get like the whoever you know the proceeds of like watching it right Mm -hmm. and so i kind of assumed that it was the same way in this movie and that like they would go from town to town and 
if they won, they would, you know, the people that watched the match would give them little washers and nuts and bolts or whatever, and they got to keep, you know, it. But if they lost, they would have to have given, you know, something to the other team. And the other team, more or less, is there also for, like, pride, you know? Yeah. Because these guys are, like, hardcore. They're going from town to town to town. Like, back in the samurai days where, like, like Musashi Miyamoto would go from town to town to town and, like, who's the best swords person here? And, like, duel them and kill them, right? And then you build up your, like, prestige. When they would leave a town, after they beat, they would take that town's dog skull. Yeah, I guess they'd just pull the like money or something. And it's also, like, ornamented because yeah. that's, like, a record, a physical, tangible record of, like, your accomplishments as a team. And so that's what they took to the city. Yeah, they're they, were, they were, like, examining gotcha. all of it. Like, over that's what I was, yeah, I was curious about that because at the very beginning of the movie, they show up to this farm or this town. Yeah. And they have this bag of doll skull, dog skulls that they're going through. And, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that. Yeah. And even when they go to the city, I didn't fully comprehend like yeah. what that you, represented. You lose your dogs, but that makes or, sense. Yeah, yeah. So once, as so they're started in the south, and as you get closer and closer to the north, as you get further up north, closer to where the Red City is, the teams get better and better and better. Yeah. Now the Red City, they're playing matches against these challengers, but even usually people like Gonzo wouldn't even play in those like challengers matches because it's literally right. it's literally like. If me, you, Justin, and two other guys want to go play like the Chicago Bulls, yeah. Jordan is there. He's like, I'm not going to what? Right? But I, my impression of the movie is that the because there's nine, they say one of the nine cities, the red city of the nine cities. I think that like the other cities come together and play in these like, you know, big tournaments. Yeah. Like when the aristocracy, you know, bets on it, like he was saying, Roman gladiator, Roman emperor type stuff where they like, keep the people appeased by having these big contests like once in a blue moon, like letting people like come and like see their brutality and vent in that way. And then like, you know, bread and circuses like keeps the population like, you know, a but they, they get new players from the challengers. Like uh, when they're playing too, even before they're doing well, Joan Chen was doing really well. Yeah. Or, or Kitta, her character name. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and they're like, you know, they're like, well, uh, Rucker Howard's pinned to the ground. Um, somebody said, like, well, she's definitely going to get in the league. Yeah. She's going to get the league. Yeah. The so I guess you can challenge these professional players. And if usually people don't do well, they're like, the longest was 26 stones. But right. if you, so nobody's expected to win. Right. But, but maybe if you shine a little bit, you get you get to be part of the league. So it's kind of like tryouts. Right, tryouts. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's what had happened to Salo, Rucker House character. He had come, been part of a team that got 26 stones. And that's how he got recruited into. Um, the league was because he had performed so well when he had gone to the city and then he stayed in the city, you know? Um, so I, I don't, I just think it's a cool movie. Like it's, it's a shame that like people don't know more about it. And it's just a shame that the transfer is like so murky. Yeah. And, like, oh, so, wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest disappointment. Like, going back and watching it. Yeah. Cause when I, I remember watching it when I was like 13, when I originally aired like on Showtime, I'm sure it's like a tube TV, you know, back then, Yeah. you know, it's not like flat, flat screen, but I remember being like in awe of the movie. Right. I mean, maybe I was just easy to impress when I was thirteen right. or whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was a really cool looking movie. So I, it's like a, another sports movie called like Arena that came out. Just just to drop this, if if you like Blood of Heroes, watch Arena. Basically, it's a sports movie that takes place on a space station and has Mark Alimo, you know, Gold Cot, mm-hmm. has Claudia Christian from like Babylon Five, it has Quark, the actor Quark in there, like mm-hmm. all these people, and it's a. Uh, it's like no human has won this like fight in like over a hundred years kind of thing. But the thing that pisses me off is it looks cleaner. Like everything looks cleaner than this transfer for Blood of Heroes, but they have motion smoothing. 
Oh, it's okay. the soap opera effect. Mm. If it doesn't drive, if the soap opera effect doesn't drive you crazy, like get it off Amazon or whatever. But I had to like dig up a VHS copy that's in mm. four three aspect ratio to watch that again, and that's just too bad. Like I, uh, it's even the DVD is just like unwatchable. Gotcha. Mm. <laughs> so if you like Blood of Heroes, that's like your recommendation for yeah. Just find the VHS like unless or if you don't mind if you don't know what the soap opera effect is. Watch Arena. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's unwatchable, like the motion in that thing. But. What about um, a movie that they kind of, David Webb Peebles kind of talks about the documentary. I Am Jugger as an influence on this movie is like Rollerball with like James Caan. Have you guys ever seen that movie? I've never seen it. I've, I've seen, seen it, it not for like 20 years. Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. You know, it, it's kind of like what he was saying before. In this movie, there's not a lot of politics or class, whereas Rollerball is like all about the politics oh, yeah. and mm. society and like. They go like way more into that, um, but it's way better than the remake that they did. And so one thing we can't be happy is that they never did a remake, <laughs> like it's horrible remake with like yeah. Chan, like Channing Tatum or something as like yeah. <laughs> like Rucker Howard's character. But like, I wouldn't be mad about like a Mad Max sequel thirty years later, like they did, you know, like Fury, Mad Fury Max. Road. Yeah, Fury Road. If they oh, did that awesome. with this Blood of Heroes, that would be awesome. Or yeah. the Turbo Kids and. Uh, good. It's not a remake, but is that post-apocalyptic kind of uh, B-movie, but it's a modern movie that's done really well. Gotcha. You know, I, I didn't think that they could, a modern movie would have the craftsmanship to be able to do pull-off like movies, B-movies that came out like in the late 1980s, but they, they pulled that off with Turbo Kid, too, so that was cool. Cool. So there's some uh, um, additional suggestions for your, your viewing pleasure, listeners. Uh, before we wrap this up, anybody have anything else they want to say in closing about The Blood of Heroes 1989? Post-apocalyptic Rucker Hauer sci-fi movie? Anything? Everybody got nah, everything I don't out? Think so. yeah. Just check it out. Yeah, if you yeah. like the kind of things that we're talking about, give it a chance. It's free on Amazon if you subscribe <laughs> yeah, to Amazon. It's free on Amazon. Yeah. And uh, if you watch it, you'll be like one of eight people that watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and like I think of that, like, um so, so there's like an old um like English sci-fi TV show called um Blake Seven. Oh, and sometimes yeah. when I lived in Charles's house and he was like in the guest house or whatever, he would come over and we would watch that on YouTube. And then like sometimes I would, he would be like, we're probably the only two people like in North Carolina that are watching Blake 7 right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, probably right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we'll be back um, to talk about um, just movies, some, some more movies. We'll be right back. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so we're back. So this week, uh, we're going to talk about something a little different than what we normally do. Normally, we'll break down a board game, talk about a board game. But this week, I just wanted to... There's been a lot going on in our lives, personally, on a personal level. And I just want to talk about like movies and film and cinema and what that means you know, to you. Um, just a little bit of a background. So all three of us worked together for a long time at a video store and have spent a lot of our lives probably watching movies. Um, a couple of us worked at movie theaters, some longer than others. Um, but I just wanted to talk about, you know, movies, films, and, you know, what what they, you know, what importance they bring to, like, your life. So I, I wrote some questions just to, you know, throw out there. Um, so we'll start with you, Brooks. So have you always liked movies? Yes, Absolutely. 
So when when what was your when you were a kid and growing up and then like elementary school, middle school, high school, would you go to the movies with your parents a lot? Did you like rent a lot of movies, or is it something you came to like later in life, or what? Yeah, so I mean, we definitely rented a lot of movies. You know, we would go to places. Uh, I think Justin mentioned this earlier, but not video bar, but there were video stores in Rocky Mount where I'm from, and they would have similar deals, like five for five for five, and yeah. You know, everybody would get movies, and it was, yeah, it was it was great. But I remember going to see Jurassic Park in the theater with my brother. Yeah. I think my aunt took us. It was the first time I'd seen a movie with just me and my brother. She, like, dropped us off. We saw Jurassic Park. Yeah. And I was, like, 10 years old, and it was great. It was, obviously, it's Jurassic Park, so that, like, that stays with you forever. But I just remember thinking, like, this is an awesome experience. Yeah. Like, seeing this movie in a theater, it's just, like, me and my brother, like, my parents run around, I you know, we don't have, like, chaperones, which didn't matter, we are just, like, watching a movie, but, yeah, it was right. great, it was awesome, and, yeah, I've, uh, I've loved going to the movies and watching movies ever since. Okay, that was, like, your, the first movie that you went to, the movie theater, where you felt like <clears throat> movies are going to be an important part of my life, or yeah. they, did they feel that way always? I mean, uh, like, before that, yeah, I'd definitely gone to see movies, like, with my parents and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't remember those as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think Jurassic Park as a, as a movie itself is definitely going to stand out more than others. But um, that was that was when, I don't know, I, that's just, like, a memory that stands out in my mind. Yeah, I saw, but, I mean, I saw it with Brett, too. Yeah. I drove us to Potomac Mills Mall, and we saw it with my brother and his friend Tony Leet. And Tony Lee had seen that before, and he knew some parts of jump scares came, and he like would reach over and grab my brother's neck. <laughs> but uh, it's one of the things I was also going to touch on. It's amazing to me. I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I remember there's movies, you know, Dragon. I remember, you know, taking Garnet to go see that at Springfield Mall. Like there's just movies I know exactly. You know, Galaxy Quest. I remember you and I saw the Galaxy Quest at Rialto, Justin. Like that was surprisingly good. Fight Club. Oh we saw the Garner Theater, the very late show. Remember oh, that Fight Club was a movie I saw tons at the Garner yeah. Theater to the point where me and my friends, like someone paid to get in, and they would just prop open the door, and a bunch of my in the back, and a bunch of my friends would come in. <laughs> <laughs> to watch it. Well, I remember seeing like all of like the Matrix sequel movies mm-hmm. with both of you guys. I'm pretty sure at the Garner Theaters, yeah. like. It was like a big group of us. We would go like I don't know. I remember yeah. like seeing those. We had a good deal for a while at the Garner Theater because like um, that one customer, um, yeah, Richard Robert Robert, I think. Yeah. yeah, he was like managing it, and he yeah. would, like let us go in for free for the game for yeah. rentals. So that that was that was a pretty good. I had like a yeah. laminated pass. It was like in it one or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And I also remember after I can't remember if it was the second one or the third one, but. Uh, we were like walking out, and I remember Chris Tolliver was there to see it, and he was like driving away, and he stopped and rolled his window down. He's like, "So just so we're all clear, like he died, right?" And again, I don't know where that fits into the Matrix sequels or series, yeah. but I was just like, I think we're all just like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I think so." I don't know. Shout out to Chris Tolliver. I know, R- right? R- R- yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so Justin, let me ask you the same thing. So, like, what in your life um, have you always liked movies? Um, did you go to a lot of movies as a kid? Did you rent a lot of movies as a kid? Is this something you came to later in life? So, your story? So my uh, film education was not at the cinema. It was home movies. Gotcha. So 
you know, food line on Fifth Avenue and Garner or whatever, the building like right next to it, this adjacent building, I think it's like a bank or something now, used to be Garner TV and Appliances. Mm. And they rented movies. And my dad had a beta player and a VHS player. We rented a beta tape. We recorded a VHS and vice versa. And we had walls of movies. Nice. Walls of movies. And I'm like really into Star Trek too because we recorded those right off TV. Mm-hmm. I had... A video store of my own. Growing up. Yeah. Nice. And, you know, that's if awesome. I went to the cinema, I might see, like, a, something that's PG, like Goonies or something like that. But if I watch movies at home, I could watch Predator. I could watch Terminator. Yeah. I can watch Nightmare on Elm Street. So, like, the whole video rental experience was my film education. Maybe it wasn't optimal to view it that way, but I got to see a lot of really good movies at a really early age. Right. And there's, you know, there's something to be said about that because you have like a generation of filmmakers like with, you know, Kevin Smith, Graham Tarantino, those guys, you know, Robert Rodriguez, they didn't go to film school because it used to be, you know, Lucas, like Spielberg, you know, group. The only way you got to like watch certain movies, the only way you could see Seven Samurai is you'd be at the USC film school library and you would like check out a print of it, reserve the projection booth area show the movie and watch it and it was like a huge deal but with video stores and the invention of video stores and all these kids growing up like working at video stores you could literally watch thousands of movies like i've watched tens of thousands of movies i worked at the video store for over a decade i've watched tens of thousands of movies you know what i mean yeah and so um so yeah so for me i've always been into movies my dad would go to the movies take us to the movies a lot he had a cool thing where like he didn't really grasp or care about like ratings he just wanted to like go see whatever he wanted to go see oh yeah by the way like my kids are here too like i don't really care <laughs> so like i remember one double feature i saw at tackett's mill mall was um <clears throat> this the same day well, i saw um, robocop and full metal jacket and both both those i remember going to see conan the barbarian which oh came out in 1980 God. i was born in 75 so I was probably five. Heavy Metal, I saw that in the movie oh, theater. wow. Up in Smoke, I saw in the movie theater. Did you see Robocop in the movie theater? Yeah. yeah. I remember, <laughs> I, have, like, I don't have a lot of rem- memories from my youth, but I do remember specifically at Garner TV and Appliances, that video store, they had a little cardboard standy thing about, you know, like six inches tall of Robocop yeah. with the release date, and I was waiting for that movie to come. <laughs> yeah. And it, Great it was movie. not like, and it did not disappoint. It was like nothing else I'd ever seen ever. That's yeah. when like Paul Verhoeven became one of my favorite drivers. Right. Like, I completely followed him after that. And I don't know. That was 1986 or 7 when that came out. So yeah, I was like 8 years old. Probably 86. So yeah, I was and like I watched it. 6th grade probably. Yeah, so one of the most violent movies I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. A good movie. Yeah. A good movie. I, what I find <laughs> offensive is... Parents subjecting these kids to this mediocre, non-art, like no, no semblance of art in these movies at all. But they're safe for kids. Yeah, and what I mean, it's just like I find that offensive. Right. You know, if you if you have somebody who has a lot of creativity, builds worlds, builds these interesting characters, I think that's good. As far as like, like I, I was glad that I got to watch like Terminator or Predator or RoboCop when I was like eight or nine years old, or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I always say that horror movies are the like. The best time to watch horror movies is when you're a little kid, <laughs> yeah. because they're not cheesy when you're a little kid. You <laughs> believe that stuff. You're scared you like crazy. True, true, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you saying that, like, I definitely saw. It definitely brings back memories of watching some of those movies when my dad would rent them on like VHS. You know, right? Um, they weren't movies that I had planned to watch, but they were movies that I either like 
was like I was still up and I was like just sitting there and I was watching it or sometimes I felt like I would even like sneak in and like try to like watch it from the background or yeah. something you know <laughs> um but, above the couch yeah like. <laughs> yeah but I do remember like RoboCop being one of the most violent movies I had ever seen at the time right. like whenever I saw that I don't know what age I was but yeah um, but then, yeah, like Predator, I, I remember movies like that. I was like, it they're wasn't a big deal at all for me to like watch that. original, but, yeah. too. And yeah. just like interesting content and, and the like political aspects. What year did Aliens come out? Al- oh, the, oh, the second one, the sequel. Yeah. That had to be around the same time. I think later, though. Because like, I, later I in remember the wanting to see Aliens with my dad and me kind of seeing like That'd the poster. And being like, ooh, like this looks really. Because I, you know, I don't like a lot of horror movies. I don't watch a lot of like, gruesome stuff. I don't like. I remember thinking like, oh man, I don't know, Dad. Like this seems like it's gonna be like I don't, I don't, I'm like scared. I don't want to go see it. Yeah. And then I watched it, and literally I begged him. I was like, let's go see it again. Like let's go see it again right now. Like let's go. I like begged and begged and begged, and we like went and watched it again. And like I don't know, I just loved that movie, and I'm so glad that like he took me to like go see just anything, like any random thing. Like he wasn't the type of person, you know, because back then in the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. You didn't. You couldn't do a lot of research on like films and directors. No. Like, you wouldn't know like a. You maybe saw a trailer on TV and that was it. Like so, yeah. you know, a lot of people just go to like, see any movie. You know, um, where I think now filmgoers are more educated in terms of like what's out. You know, half the time they tell you the whole movie in the trailer. Yeah. And you kind of know. You know I what's the, right. But um, for me, we got a vid- we got a Betamax and we went to um Errol's Video <laughs> in Woodbridge, Virginia, where I was from, and. <clears throat> The first movie we ever rented was Star Wars, and I took it home, and I like could not believe, like, oh wow, like I'm watching Star Wars at my house, like, it's like, <laughs> you know, talking about moments that change your life, right? Like, you know, that's like a moment that changed my life yeah. because, like, I knew that like, no matter what was gonna happen in my life, good or bad, then I could always just like watch Star Wars at home. And so, <laughs> <laughs> how bad could it be? You know, yeah, I lived in DC area in the 80s with fear of like nuclear Armageddon from the Soviets, but like. <laughs> So what? Like, I can still watch Star Wars. Even if the nuke was, like, coming in my backyard, I could still, like, press play and, like, you know, hear the yeah. John Williams score and, like, everything would be okay. So, but, yeah, it's been a big part of my life. When I was 15 or 16, my aunt gave me and my brother um, gift certificates to, like, the local video stores near our house. And just every day we would, like, go – because it was, you know, 99 cents. It was crazy, like, cheap, you know? Yeah. We would just go rent videos. And I remember distinctly, like – Renting uh, Sid and Nancy and oh, him, great movie. Alice my, Cox director. Yeah, my brother and his friend came over, Tony Lee, the same kid that saw Jurassic Park with us, and we watched it. And we started it probably like at midnight, you know, and it was over like two in the morning. And they were like, "All right, rewind it. Let's watch it again." Oh, <laughs> like wow. you guys are like crazy, you know. So movies have always been like a a big a big part of my life. I was always interested in movies. Um, I always spent a lot of, of my money and time going to like video stores. And then I had, you know, probably the best period of my life in terms of employment was working at a video store. So um, <clears throat> when I started working at the video store, I'd worked at a different video store before, but when I started working at the video store that we all worked at uh, here in, in Garner, North Carolina, um, Justin, you were already working there. How, how long did you start working at? Uh, I got there right before you did. Okay. How did you get the job there? So my good friend Anna okay. worked at. Video that store. I worked at Little Caesars Pizza. 
And as soon as I turned 18... You didn't like doing the sign. I remember you didn't like to go out... Remember how you did at Little Caesars, they had people go out and twirl the sign? <laughs> I remember Justin was like, I had to quit Little Caesars. They wanted me to twirl the sign. No, they That's had, humiliating. They had a full-on Little Caesar costume. They, oh. they expected to get it. And I was like, F that. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But uh, yeah, like anybody who slugged away for a minimum wage at a food service job, you know, getting a job, you know, for minimum wage... At the a video store is not a lateral move. It's like you made it. Like that's made the worst yeah. job ever. Right, you made Best it. Best job could, ever. When I turned eighteen, um, soon after that, I got hooked up with a video store job, and it was the smaller section before. It was like we were on the corner mm-hmm. where the gym used to be, and then you came in like soon after we moved. Well, I worked in the smaller store. one too. I oh, worked in okay. the smaller one. I like helped stay late and moved everything over in the middle of the night. There was a different manager. There's a Diana. Manager. Yeah. And then, like, when T- Tabor came in soon after that, yeah. and hired, I think he hired you. Yes, well, so what happened was I had worked with Tabor at Cameron Village, North American. Yeah. And he always would call out. And so he would, like, call me and be like, hey, can you come in and work for me? And I'd be like, oh, sure, because, like, I didn't care. I, didn't, I just, like, working there anyway. And one day I went to the Garner Video Store just driving by, and he was working there. And he was like, oh, I remember you from Cameron Village. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? And I already knew the POS system. I already knew how to, like, check people out and everything, right? Because it was the same as what they had Cameron Village. And he was like, hey, do you want a job here? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. He's like, can you start right now? I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually worked there for, like, two months without ever meeting you Diana. You worked at Newcomen Company, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're telling stories of, like, hell, like, you know, people throwing garbage off the side of buildings, you know, when you're taking out before right. they tear out everything and demolish it. I think you said like one guy like oh, fell I've into seen the a guy fall or... off a, into a dumpster. Yeah. I've seen a guy like fall off a ladder and like get severely hurt. And to go like exactly what you said, to go from like working in a warehouse and doing like heat and air construction and hanging duck and stuff to go where I'm like working in a video store, it was like I hit the lottery. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't matter. I didn't make any money. I wasn't making any money doing like heat and air anyway. So oh. like I'm not, if I'm going to be broke, I might as well be like broke and happy. So. I learned to live $100 a week. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, eat ramen noodles and i like bought really cheap horrible beer (laughs) and i didn't really eat any food that's like my only sustenance but i got free movies and we got you know you know yeah yeah, shout out to el dorado's working working in a video store is currency in itself because you would trade rentals for food you trade rentals to go to the movie theater Mm-hmm. Of course, you had to have a cool manager, so you yeah. didn't have to do too like on. So on the I had, email. so I had a trade going with uh, that Mexican restaurant next to El Dorado's. They would come and give free rentals. They give us free Mexican food, and I had a trade going with Roadrunner's Pizza. When Gary was the owner there, they would give us um, free pizza for free rentals. I had a situation set up to where I could just call them. They would drive to my house, drop off a pizza, not charge me anything for it. And that was it. And I had the, the karate school in the Forest Hill Shopping Center. It was yeah. a karate school. That guy was getting free rentals. I was getting free like karate for my kids. So, like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was a currency. So in great, and, it was yeah. a currency. Yeah. In you didn't get a great deposit in the bank account, but yeah, you had ways of getting by with movies. <laughs> yeah. Different time, man. Oh, Different yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the, the thing about working. No chip isn't listening. The, <laughs> <laughs> the thing about working at the video store is, uh, hey, shout out to Chip. Right? <laughs> the thing about working at the video store is like, well, I'm working. So, you know, we, we'll do, well, eventually we'll do like a video store episode and just bring everybody from the video store and interview everybody but basically the video store is cool because you're dealing with low dollar amounts so nobody gets super upset when it's like two dollars for their transactions yeah. two people are there because they're like looking to be entertained so they're 
you know, they're generally most of the time in like a decent mood. You know, they're not they're not going there. To, they're not going to the dentist. They're going to there to like they got off work. They want to watch something tonight and drink beer. So like, you know, you can tell them like, hey, this is a cool movie, and they love you after that because it yeah. was a cool movie. And then three is that um, in terms of like, you know, this video store that we worked at, it wasn't like a blockbuster. It wasn't like a corporate chain. So we could just do whatever we want. Yeah. So we had like bands playing there, and like there wasn't like a bunch of like. I remember one time I worked at Borders um way later in my life. And, like, every time you ring somebody out, you'd be like, hey, do you want to join Borders Reward Club? Hey, do you want to donate? Blah, blah. And, like, we'd have to do any of that rigmarole. It was mm. basically, like, somebody would come in, you hit pause on whatever you were watching. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, hey, what's up, guy? If you were smart, you hit pause on whatever <laughs> yeah. you are watching. If you weren't, you let it keep playing, and you had yeah. no idea what was coming next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's definitely oh, happened a few times. Been. Yeah. So, so I was watching, what is it, the movie called Bounty, right, with uh, Anthony Hopkins and Mel Gibson. All nudity in that movie, by the well, way. Well, like, <laughs> all, the, all the native girls, right, were topless or whatever mm. in it. And I forgot like what I was watching this, but then this like um, not a, like a mother with her kid, but a mother, yeah, motherly lady, a mother type mother, type yeah, lady. comes up and she's like, oh, that's offensive, and it's just like a topless <laughs> person, and then someone's getting whipped, like yeah. flogged in a scene later or whatever, and she's like, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> what? Oh my god, that's like the scene from Clerks, and he's like, if you think that's offensive, check this out. <laughs> Yeah. So no, I remember watching. Uh, I was watching the movie Waiting when it first came out or, at the Cameron Village movie. store. Yeah. And I I'd been watching that. It was like a weekday. It was I had the day shift, so nobody was coming in. Yeah. But I was watching that, and up until like the last you know twenty minutes, nothing really bad had been on. It was an R-rated movie, but like again, nobody was coming in. So I didn't yeah. like. I this guy came in. He was checking out. I didn't think to stop it. And uh, I checked him as I was checking him out. He looked, his eyes got really big looking at the TV behind me. I was like, "What are you watching?" And I was like, "Oh, it's, it's this movie waiting." And uh, and anyway, I like finished checking him out, and he was like, "Okay." So he left. So I rewound the movie, and I went back, and I started watching it again. And it was the one scene in the movie where this girl com- does this huge flash situation. <laughs> nice. And it was the one scene in the movie where yeah. there's huge, like full frontal nudity. Right. And yeah, of course, this guy was like. Yeah, he was by himself, so I don't think he was offended, but yeah, it was back a bad the, situation. Back in the like, day, people don't care as much. So I was oh, in, yeah. I was I, in a, a lock in right for the YMCA one time. We were watching movie, movies, Critters 2, we watched. Right. And oh, there's a scene where the, one of the critters like turned into a human female and like busted out of the suit, and it's like these huge yeah. breasts. And I was like, like nine years old or something. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but it was like, yeah, there was like. People that like parents there, nobody cared back yeah. then. Nobody cared. It was an like easier time. Man, oh, you yeah. know, so I'm glad you Different brought that time. up though, Justin, because I don't feel like I've heard of the critters. Anybody reference critters, oh, the I love movie critters. in like twenty years. And yeah, I love those movies. <laughs> those great movies. They were great. Tremors, critters, like all that stuff is great. Yeah. So we'll start so Brooks, when did you start working at the video store? Yeah, I started working when I was like nineteen. Uh, which would have been around 2002, I guess. Yeah. Um, after I met you at NC State and you offered me a job because I told you I was looking for a job. <laughs> You're like, oh, I, I managed this video store. Do you want a job? Yeah, I got and the yeah. best job for you. Exactly. Ever. Yeah. So yeah, that's when I started. I remember, uh, I remember the first day, the first night I was working there, um, Adam, Shout out to Adam Rutten. Yeah. yeah was Adam training me. Dunk spot. And then uh, Charles walked in. <laughs> and uh, Charles walked in. And he walks up behind the counter. 
And he starts talking to us and, you know, like nothing else. Just starts talking to us. Yeah. And then he leaves. Yeah. And I was like, who was that? And I was like, I don't know. I've never seen that guy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, like, so I just, I didn't say anything else about it. Of course, the next time I came to work, I realized, like, at, Charles was there and you were there and everybody, you Didn't know. did Charles get hired because he just hung out there all the time? And yeah, like, I don't think Charles was an actual employee when I, that <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, he would hang like, out all the time. And once he got the job there, he would hang out a lot and he wasn't getting paid. Well, yeah. actually, a lot of us would go. So, is that, did home. you meet Charles at the video store or did you know Charles before that? The video store. I think he was a customer when I first met him. Yeah, so I first met Charles. He was a, a customer. And when I was working at Newcomb, we worked four 10 hour days. So we worked, you know, Monday through Thursday, 10 hours. And then, because I first started working at the video store, I was working part time. I was still working at Newcomb. And then on every Friday, I would open because nobody wanted to open on Friday. And Charles would come and hang out. Like every time I was working, he would come in there and hang out. And when we went to the news location and I started working there full time, and then when I became the manager, he was just in there so much. I was like, "Hey, you should just like work here. Like you, you could like get paid to like you're in here hanging out. Like he knew yeah. everything about movies. He and knew everything more about than everything. Everybody, everything. Anybody yeah. worked there. Like and already, he didn't work there. He knew more. He about knew movies. more about in movies more than anybody that ever lived. Like I would put money <laughs> on it. Like yeah, anybody was, you've ever known. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I definitely met him because he was like a customer, and then like he would just hang out there all the time, and then he started working up there because I, yeah. I was like, "Hey, you should like work up here." He didn't want to do it at first. He was, like, super reluctant. But even then, he worked up there, like, maybe one night or two nights a week. But he was up there, like, every night, you know? Yeah, he kind yeah. of wanted to go there when he wanted to go there. Yeah, right. yeah, he would just come to hang out, which was great. Um, yeah, I would just put him, like, me and him would work, like, every Saturday night or every yeah, Friday night or yeah. whatever, so. Yeah. But... So what was your favorite movie as a kid? Either one of you guys want to say? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. For me, it was probably The Goonies. Yeah? I think The Goonies was my favorite movie as a kid. Um, you know, like, and, like, at one point in life, I was like, oh, The Goonies must have come out, like, around the time I was really impressionable, and, like, I saw it when it first came out. But it came out in, like, 1985, yeah. which would have been, like, two years old. So I definitely saw it later. Sure. But it was, like, very impressionable. And, yeah, I've, I've loved The Goonies ever since. The Goonies, I would say, is probably my favorite 80s movie. To nice. this day, nice. yeah, yeah. Aaron loves the Goonies. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite movie as a kid? I guess it's what like stage you were as a kid. But as far as like a movie that's appropriate for younger people to watch, I would say Princess Bride. Like nice. that's a movie nice. that I would play, finish, and rewind and watch it again. Nice. Like repeatedly and have no problem with watching it like yeah. three times in the same day. Yeah, Aaron loves that movie too. That every time that movie's on TV, we always end up watching it. Like when we're flipping through the channels. Goonies was great too. Um. A movie I haven't watched, I haven't revisited, but I need to is uh, called Daryl, which uh, was yeah. like I've this like He's Android a robot. kid. Yeah, yeah. Daryl's a huh. robot. Yeah, it's yeah. a great movie. War Games I watched. That came out. That's like the same vibe as like that movie. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, yeah. 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 I was a big fan well. of that one too. Yeah, that's yeah. like the unofficial prequel to Fight Club because like people say that. Oh, that's Because right. Cloak and Dagger, like the main character, sees this like Jack. He's like this yeah. um, mythical spy character that only he sees. Is that what Chuck Flanagan said? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. No, 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 it's no. A th- there's so this many is, fan theories. No, it's, like yeah, it's just like a. Not it's not even a fan theory because nobody really thinks it's true. It's just like a like, hey, wouldn't this be cool if this was like yeah. a oh, Fight Club yeah. type deal? Yeah, Cloak and Dagger. All right, so let me go to the next. Let's go to the next uh, question here. So let me see. So, what was the first movie that you saw with your wife? <laughs> so, I don't I don't remember the first movie that we saw, like, in the theater, but I remember when we first started dating, 
Um, I <laughs> I think it was around it was around Halloween, and I was like, oh, I've got this horror movie we should watch, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. The Rob Zombie one? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, we put Isn't that on. is he romantic? And she absolutely and hated it. And we're still together. Yeah, <laughs> oddly romantic. enough. Yeah. But, no, I... So, you know, when I, when I first saw that movie, I know my brother was a big fan of it. And, like, I, I was I, I, I was working at a movie theater, actually, when it came out. Um, but, like, some of the people at the theater were, like, big fans of it. And, uh, anyway... I liked it, and yeah, I had it, and we watched it, and Bridget was like, that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> there was a lot of hype because We're it was breaking like, up wasn't the first Rob Zombie movie? So it was. was like, oh, yeah, Rob it was the first Rob Zombie movie. Horror aficionado. Yeah, it's know? like, uh, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, times a thousand as far as, like, I don't know. Um, it, it was just, like, over the top. So but, Justin, yeah, she was not a fan. So, right. Justin, what was the first movie you saw with your wife? So, this one's easy, because uh, Andrea was a customer at the video store. That's how we met. Yeah. And she liked my movie recommendations, and eventually she uh, asked me, she said, she, so, the Rialto in Raleigh has, like, these summer movie passes mm-hmm. called uh, Cinema Inc. Yeah. She, to ask me on a date, she got us both movie passes. She's nice. like, you like movies, you know... You have this pass, you know, if I don't go to see a movie, you can go on your own, but, so you have all these movies playing over the summer at your disposal. I think the first one we wanted to go see was La Femme Nikita. Nice. Yeah, Luc Besson. Yeah, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Great movie. And I think... Shout out the point of no return with Bridget Fonda's here. <laughs> yeah. Remake, American remake. And Ronan was like back to back to that. So I'm I'm kind of fuzzy on the timeline whether Ronan came first, but I think which was a great date movie. I just remember I, I'm thinking La Femme Nikita first because it was just a really good date yeah. movie. So that's cool. Yeah, that was an awesome. One. So for me, the first movie I saw with Aaron ever was it was right at the time Pulp Fiction was out. I had actually gone. Uh, I had no money and I had no car because I was a loser. And my friend, uh, shout out to Megan Sullivan, she took me to go see Pulp Fiction because I really wanted to see Pulp Fiction because I had seen Reservoir Dogs like a bunch, right? And the very first time I hung out with Aaron, or the second or third time I hung out with Aaron, um, she came to my place and we watched Reservoir Dogs and she was like, oh, it was like very violent, right? The very very first movie we saw was a terrible movie. It's an Anthony Hopkins movie called The Road to Wellville. That was the very first movie we saw. I saw that on VHS at home. I found it interesting. Yeah, it's, it's not it's great. It's not great, but you it's know, weird. It's really weird. And uh, then actually, the before any of that happened, um, <clears throat> like the second time I ever met Aaron, I was at a movie with another girl. Her name was Miranda Johnson. Shout out to Miranda Johnson. We were seeing The Client at the Dollar Theater, and Aaron worked at the Dollar Theater. Is that John Grisham. Yeah. Oh, so okay. she went to the bathroom. My the girl I went to the movie with I went to the bathroom. I was just there as a friend anyway. But she went to the bathroom. And then Aaron was taking, like, tickets or whatever, so I started talking to her, like, in the <laughs> theater. You met your wife on the Yeah, so I met her, like, once before, like, because she knows much people that I knew, but, yeah, so I saw her then, and then, yeah, so that, yeah. So there's kind of three movies in that story, like The Client, well, Road to Wellville, and then Reservoir Dogs, but, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting because, like, movies play such a, in American life, they play such a big part in, like, dating and courtship, and so that leads me to, like, the next question, because of COVID, movies haven't been open. 
a lot of companies now, like Warner Brothers and now Paramount has announced that they're going to like put movies out like 35 day windows, 45 day windows. Like when the movie comes to the movie theater, Paramount movies are now going to premiere on their streaming thing in like 45 days where it used to be like, you know, nine months, right? So do you think movies will survive? Do you think American going to the movies is ingrained enough in our culture that movies will continue to survive? Or do you think that they're going to like die off? Can I get that one? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think movies are going to exist, but they're not going to be the same. Um, movie theaters, I think, I mean, any predictions about the future, nobody knows. But right. uh, I think it's going to be more of a niche thing, probably. But I can see like it's starting with releasing at home and cinema simultaneously, and it's just way more convenient. Right. You know, just like... Getting a good hamburger or getting a McDonald's hamburger, right. you know, more often you're going to eat. In the words of the dead Kennedys, give me convenience or give me death. Exactly. <laughs> right, so. And people aren't going to make movies for the, like these big, like, you know, these Christopher Nolan or, you know, uh, any of these like Christopher Nolan type of movies, these large made for the cinema yeah. kind of epic movies. It's going to be, it's going to be more like, you know, like really well-made TV shows like Breaking Bad or like, this but you brand. think there will be some kind of movies theater. It'll just be way less and they'll play different kinds of stuff than they play now. I think there's going to be less craft to the movies. Okay. Probably going to be well-written and well Let, Will there be but, less screens? Will there be less movie theaters? Do you think? I don't know. There's going to be more people, but there's going to be like fewer, like, but, but the, I think the, the majority of the audience is going to be watching it at home, right. but there's still going to be more people. So, I mean, who knows? Like I still shoot film cameras and is in a digital age, you know, it still exists. I can buy film. Right. You know, right. There's going to be like movie theaters still, you know, I think there's going to be demand for it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think there are going to be directors and like filmmakers that still want to do what you do with like photography. They still want to, like, make film with film, and they still want to, like, have these big releases, I hope. Um, you got to fight for it, though. Do yeah, think, do yeah. Think, do you think movies will survive? Like, movie theaters will survive? I think survive? so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that, I mean, after, I mean, I hope so, that, like, after everything with COVID is at least better, I don't know that it'll be completely over, but hopefully, like, once it's better and people are comfortable going out again that yeah like we'll be able to go back to the movies again like i know i'm dying to go to the movies again i'm dying to go to the movies. like a... man it's such an easy the longest like, of my life i want to go out and do something that's such an easy thing to go yeah. out and do outside of your house where you're like doing something that you can't just do in your yeah. house period you know right now i mean i understand why like HBO Max is and Warner Brothers is like offering these movies up front like to HBO Max the viewers yeah, they're pissed, right. and I understand that too. Like, like but at the same time, it's like, do they want to like push it back and push it back and push it back? If they do, like, that's fine. But you know, I think that that's all just like short term. At least I hope so. Like, so you think just, two years from now everything will be kind of back to how it was before? Because I mean, that's a very valid like thesis. I think a lot of people like Lewis would say like everything's gonna be different. It's gonna be more niche theaters. I mean, There's yeah, I do think things that. are gonna be different, but. I hope that when it comes to like going to the movies, of the, in general, it's going to be back to at least very similar to the way it was before. So there's two things I want to say about this. One is I hope so because movies are ingrained in like our culture and that like people go to the date, go on dates to go to the movies. Yeah. High school kids go to the movies. Like you got a bunch of kids in your house, you don't know what to do with them. Like oh, let's take them to the movies. It's raining outside. Let's go to the movies. Like 
it's just such like you were saying, such an easy thing to like go and do. It's a communal like participatory event that you can go outside your home and go do. As like Roger Moore said, like, oh not Roger Moore. Roger Moore said, um, shaken not stirred. Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Moore said like people want to get out of their house, right? You want to get out yeah. of your house in some capacity. There's less and less avenues to like do that now. So I'm hoping that movie theater will continue to fill its niche. I mean, movie theaters survived the Great Depression. Right? They actually thrived during the Great Depression, right? Because there's one thing about human beings. They want to escape their the yeah. humdrum boredom of their monotony of their day-to-day existence and want to, like, go to the movie. I miss going to the movie. There's, like, an Alden Burgess thing that um, he told me one time. We went to see Gladiator at the Cary Town Center uh, movie theater, and the the lights got dark. The preview was over. The lights got dark, and he leaned over and was like, Hey, this is the best like moment of my life. Like when a movie's getting ready to start, you don't know this might be the best movie you ever saw. This might be the movie that changes the course of your life. And man, that to me is like art. Like that's the whole like that encapsulates like everything that's great about movies. And so like I hope that continues to exist. Yeah. I'm afraid that it won't be, that it won't. But I hope to God that it does. And like, and I don't mean like I hope. Oh, you can drive an hour and go see a movie in a movie theater with one other person. I'm talking about. I hope that like. The movie theaters come back and they're packed and like you gotta like get there on time to get your seat or yeah. whatever you know what I mean. Yeah. But I don't know. I could I could be wishful thinking. So speaking of movie theaters, you worked at a movie theater. Yeah, right? I've worked at two movie theaters. How long did you work at movie theaters? Uh, so when I first that was the first job I ever had when I was uh, 16. Okay. I worked at a movie theater in the mall in Rocky Mount and I worked there for a year. Like a solid year before I went to, um, like before I went to college, mm-hmm. um, I worked. I sold tickets. I worked concessions. I worked projectionist, uh, and yeah, I loved all of it. It was great. Uh, and then when I came back for summer from college, I worked at a different theater. Uh, my brother also worked at both of these theaters, so like mm-hmm. we we worked there together with friends of ours. Like friends got us the jobs, and yeah, it was. Like, one of the best jobs you could ever have um, next to the video store, you know? Uh, Because, like, you know, with new movies coming out, it's like, you know, every Tuesday, the new movies would come in. And if you're the projectionist, you have to put the movie together. You have to build it. And then you have to get it ready to show on Friday for the release date. And Thursday nights, you would have to preview it. Test it out. You would have to test it out, make sure everything's good, all the splices are good. (laughs) And, uh... And yeah, that was one of the best parts of working in the movie theater yeah. because if you're the projectionist or even if you're not and you just work there, then you know that Thursday night is when you get to preview this brand new movie yeah. that everybody's waiting to see and they we have to wait to until Friday. To Remember? Like with Robert, he would, sometimes he'd let us go like Spider-Man. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to the Thursday at the yeah. night. Yeah, he would like let us in and like check it out. Dude, yeah, so it was great, you know, and I know my brother, so my brother was the projectionist before I was, um, and he would have, like, and he worked there, like, when I was in college, he continued to work at the movie theater, but he would have, like, tons of people in there <laughs> to watch, like, yeah. the new movies coming out, um, I think, like, Lord of the Rings, like, when that first came out, he said he had, like, 40 people in there, 50 people. <laughs> Everybody's drinking beers, like, smoking rings. cigarettes in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. like, that's the thing. It's, like, at that point, when you're doing that, you're not just, like, the, the guy that's like, hey, come watch it. You're, like, in you're in charge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, him being in charge 
probably wasn't the best thing because he's just like, yeah, do whatever you want. Right. I want to smoke cigarettes in the theater. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah, no, I loved working at the theater. And actually, my uh, older cousin of mine, who's about ten years older than me, he worked at the same theater when I was a little kid. And oh. I remember him like as a kid. I remember going to that theater. And him like getting us into a movie for like getting me yeah, and my family and into a movie like, for oh, free. Awesome. But he also gave us a tour of the projection booth. Nice. And as a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing. I was oh, like, yeah. I would love to work at yeah, projection booth. Like, like how a thirty-five awesome millimeter is that? projector yeah. with yeah, film and everything. I've always wanted to do yeah. that. When I yeah. first moved to Raleigh, I, I went to the Rialto and got a tour of like. Uh, nice. Asked them if I could see the projecting booth and stuff, and they like let me took me up there and showed me and stuff. That's cool. So, yeah. yeah. I think you told yeah, me a story one time when you were applying at the Garner Theater. I can they, tell you a lot of stories about they, working at Garner. But, uh, <laughs> but you're like, you're like, yeah, like I asked this, like I'd like to work the projection booth, and they're like, oh yeah, right out the gate, you want to work the projection <laughs> yeah. booth? That's not happening. So, like, that I, was like, so let me tell that story real quick. So did you ever work at a movie theater or no? No, no? So I worked at the movie theater. So I worked at the Garner movie theater. Let me tell you this story real quick. So I started managing the Garner video store when I was 23. And as we mentioned before, it doesn't pay like anybody who worked there. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'll get a job at the Garner movie theater, right? This is before Robert was the manager. It was like a different guy was the manager. And I went over there, and they were like, oh, you want to work at the movie theater? I was like, yeah, you know. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm 25. Like, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show up on time, and I'll be, like, dependable. And within, like, you know, six months, three months, I'll be a projectionist because I'm like, you know, I can work late every night. Like, I don't have any limitation for high school because there's a ton of high school kids, right? And so they're like, oh, you're hired, right? They made me do like a math problem, which is like so random, but whatever. So, um, the, which is probably better hiring practices than I employed when I was in marriage to the VS store. They would just have people come in and be like, hey, you know this guy? Yeah, okay, all right, you're hired. You I just hired a lot of my friends. It's like, do you have any friends? Yeah. I think that's not where yeah. you hire Adam. Yeah, just hired anyone. So anyway, I worked at the movie theater. Literally my first day was Christmas Day. So I show up there Christmas Day, and you can imagine like Christmas Day in the Garden Movie Theater. There's like, a, there's literally thousands of people. Like, there's not even anywhere in a park. Like, it's so packed. So I get there, they're like, "Where's your shirt?" I'm like, "This is my first day. like, literally, this is my first day. Like, I've never been here before. Like, I didn't have any kind of HR orientation. I didn't fill out any paperwork. I didn't do anything. They literally called me like, come in on you know Christmas Day. So I came up there, and you know. <laughs> You know how they have this like section, or they used to have this section in the Garner Movie Theater where there'd be like candy, and you could like put it in bags and weigh, and then like you, how much it weighed depending upon how much it weighed, you would like pay. You know, it was like it was like yeah. when you first walked in, it was on the right hand side. Anyway, they had like these buckets of, like gummy worms and everything, so it was separate from like the normal concession stand. It was like its own thing, right? So they're like, okay, work here, and I'm like, okay, didn't show me how to like do anything, so I didn't know how to like work the POS system to like say like, oh, this weighs this much, you get this much, type in this amount. So I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. yo, I don't know how to work. They're like, no, no, just do your best because literally there's like three people working there, and there's like four thousand people in the lobby, right? So <laughs> people are like bringing up bags of candy, and I'm just like, uh, three bucks. Throwing <laughs> <laughs> out random numbers. So yeah, random, totally random numbers, right? Uh, four bucks, three bucks. Two bucks, I don't know. So pretty quickly, like, customers are realizing, like, yo, A, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, and B, like, this normally costs me $12. I'm getting it for, like, two bucks. Like, fill up your bag, right? So people yeah. are, like, taking, like, huge, like, bags up there, and I'm, like, <laughs> five bucks, right? So 
after like, I don't know, two hours, that gets noticed, and somebody comes over and like, what are you doing? I'm like, hey, man, nobody showed me how to do it. Like, literally nobody <laughs> showed me how to do anything. Like, what do you want me to do, you know? Yeah. They're like, oh, go with this guy, go with this guy. So it was just like a, you know, also like clean up the, the movie's over, people yep. come in and clean up the movie. It wasn't a big deal, it wasn't a problem. But, like, I had no idea, like, how trash the movie, like... Oh, yeah, it was, dude. They get trash. It is literally yeah. insane. It's not like there's some popcorn on the floor. It's like, you're like, I'm, like, walking through, like, knee-deep popcorn. <laughs> like it's The like, floors are sticky. It, there's right. popcorn everywhere. There's, like, candy boxes or empty drinks. Uh, right. So, you know, the last movie, it's, like, 1 in the morning. Now, at this end of the shift. So, I tell the manager, I'm like, hey, man... Like, you never gave me a shirt. <laughs> like, I'm wearing my T-shirt. Yeah. Like, uh, this was really hectic, and it's, like, obviously not my scene. Like, you know, I hate to do this, but, like, I'm not coming back. Because, you know, every job I've ever had, I put in two-week notice, pretty much, except for that job and one other. And But when it's, like, your first day, and when it's, like, you know, your very first day, there's, like, a grace period where, like, hey, this isn't going to work out for me. It's, like, yeah. if you get a job, like, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, like go uh, help people in the morgue, and it's your first day, right? Like, you could be like, whoa, this isn't working out for me. I can't stand here on this Yeah, 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 yeah. So the minute there, I was like, yeah, man, this is, like, you know, it's my first day. And they're this, not reliant on you This is going to work. He was literally like, wait, what? Dude, I scheduled you every day for the next 14 days. I have no <laughs> <What>? one else. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. I hate to do it to you, it but like, like a personal problem. That's like, I mean, I don't, you don't, why would you do that? Like, yeah. why would you schedule me like brand new? What if I was terrible or I didn't show up or whatever? You don't, why can't you tear tickets instead of work the concession? Right. Yeah. Like, I thought the concessions was that the money is a maker. job. That's like gold bin, right? Tearing tickets, an usher cleaning up the theaters after the fact. Like, it just wasn't for me, you know? Yeah. Not that I was like beyond that, but yeah. it didn't help too. Like, the kid who was probably like 15 that was like, you know, showing me the ropes. He kept telling me, like, it's the same thing happened to me at, like, uh, Best Buy when I first started working at Best But then I was, like, 36. So when I was – the kid is, like, 15. He's, like, telling me, like, hey, man, we got to, like, really speed it up, you know? We got to, like, really speed it up. I'm, like, okay. Like, I got it, guy. But, like, I'm fat. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, you, know, you know? I'm not here in an Olympic trial. Like, like, I'm sweeping up the popcorn as fast as I possibly can. So, anyway, yeah. that's why I'm working at the movie theater. One day, Christmas Day, <laughs> shout out Christmas Day, 1999, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Man. Well, yeah, what, I remember, uh, like, Fast and the Furious came out when I was working at the theater, and that movie sold out for weeks. Point Break with Cars. Saw Fast, was, yeah, saw Fast and Furious with Keith Hassan, Garden Movie Theater, shout out Keith Hassan. Nice. As soon as we leave the theater, some kid is in front of the theater revving up his mom's Everybody minivan. did that. And he's like peeling out to a donut <laughs> in this Dodge Grand Caravan. It's insane. Everybody did that, yeah, after that movie. But yeah, no, I loved working in the movie theater, and it was it was definitely one of the best jobs I ever had. Okay. And uh, and I will say one last thing. Yeah. When I was a projectionist, so I also had the honor of building movies and previewing them before the Friday night release. And I actually built Minority Report. And uh, I had oh, like movie, yeah. 10, 15 people there to watch it for the preview. And I actually had a bad splice in the movie. And uh, the bad splice hit. And we were so enthralled in the movie. I was like, I'm just going to fix. I'm just going to like change the, yeah. you know, change, change the, the setting, change yeah. the reel. I'm not going to like fix the splice because I'm 
I'm intrigued. Like, what's going to happen next? You skipped a critical part. Well, no, I just didn't fix it. So Friday night, my manager calls me and he's like, <laughs> "Did you watch hey, the movie? Didn't you uh, didn't you preview dude, this? Preview this movie. last really night? Like, it, why didn't you fix the splice? It's a bad splice. They had to stop it in the middle of a Friday Turn night show on. for like ten minutes." Oh. My brother was working, so he had to fix the slides. You ruined Minority Report. <laughs> I was at that show. And... There was some kid out there that was going to be like his number one movie that changed his life, and then like he just like broke the immersion and like yeah. So I, I movie theater stories. Though, don't you have like a story about seeing people like hooking up in movie theater? Oh, uh, people have definitely hooked up in the theaters. Yeah, <laughs> if you're in the projectionist booth, I mean, you see everything that's going on down there, nice. and even like yeah, like if you're if you're the last person there on a weeknight. And there are like two people there to see uh, Master of Disguise starring Dana Carvey. You know they're there to hook up. Yeah. They're not there to watch the movie. They're for yeah. hand jobs. They're, they're like married I mean, and they're there to hook up. They were there to hook Tell up. Other people. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. So, I don't know. We can wrap it up. But I guess to me it was like just amazing to me. And I don't know if you guys are this way. But I'm definitely where I can remember going to like Lost in Translation. I think Lost in Translation. Yeah. I think like... Oh, I saw that one, Carrie, with Brooks. Like, there's just movies, I don't, for whatever reason, I can remember, like, who I was with when I went and saw them. Um, are you guys that way at all, or do you just remember the movie and not as much as, like, the actual event of going to the movie? It depends on how big of an event it is. I remember seeing The Phantom Menace with you at a midnight showing, yeah. being, like, wrecked. Yeah. Like, I didn't know a Star yeah. Wars movie could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, blew my mind. You were, like, you were, like, justifying, it's like, oh, I think it, it might be a C, a C plus. It wasn't that bad. I'll have to watch it again. I was like, I'm not watching well, that movie you know, again. You know, that movie's an F. That movie's garbage. I can't believe it. And we're like driving home and just like, what did what I just happened? see? Yeah. Like, well, you know, how I mean, could I, it be that bad? I'm like notorious for like finding some good in like every movie. I'm like, oh, there's one huh. part that was like kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. But so, so what? Do you guys have any um, recollections of going and seeing any movies with Charles? Yeah, I, I saw a movie with Charles. I saw Brightburn with Charles. Oh, really? Just like two years ago. Nice. Um, Wait, and the, the at, new one? At movie? Alamo. Oh, at Alamo. Yeah, Alamo. Nice. Uh, it was when I had the Alamo pass, so I had two like two free tickets. And yeah, Charles, me and Charles went to see that. Um, and I know I've seen other movies with Charles before, but that was a more recent one. But yeah. I mean, you know, seeing a movie with Charles, what does Charles do? He falls asleep in the yeah. <laughs> He does fall asleep. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, when you're talking about going to the theater to see movies with Charles, yeah. I'm like, dude. He does like, fall asleep a lot. He does, I mean, yeah, yeah but, but no. So, like, like, the best memories I have with Charles is watching movies at his house where he's like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Those the are the best. Screen. Yeah. yeah. I remember cool. when I very first started hanging out with Charles, I went to, like, I had not known him for very long at all. And. He was. I was like, "Hey, man, I want to go see this movie. It's called. It's a German movie. It's called Run, Little Run. It's playing at the Colony. Do you want to oh, go check great, it out? Good movie. Yeah, really. And good he movie. was like, "Yeah, let's go." And he was like, "Let's go a little bit early. We can get some food. I know a Chinese restaurant near there." So I'm like, "Okay." So I'm like thinking, like, "All right, well, I have enough money for like an egg roll. Like, I can let me see what I can get <laughs> on the menu." And now Charles is like, "Oh no, no. Here, let's do this. We're gonna get the duck, and we're gonna get this, and we're gonna." And next thing you know, they're bringing out like carts of food. <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm that sounds like, like Charles. Oh, did I like die right now? Am I in the heaven right now? Like, what's happening? So like that to me, that story, and then going to see Run Little Run and really digging the movie and it being like a cool movie, and then Charles like driving back and him like breaking it down like, "Oh, this movie actually is very similar to this other movie, and it, like you should watch this movie and this movie because they're like yeah, he knows the all the influences. Director is really influenced yeah. by this, like." Yeah. Yeah, that was like an eye-opening experience and kind of charted the course of like our friendship for like the next 20 years, but um 
yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I did definitely enjoy going to movies with them and going to movies at his house. Obviously, that was like a whole other experience. Because, yeah. The handcrafted, like, menu. Yeah, <laughs> like, man. Gourmet menu. Absolutely. Yeah. And his, like, movie selection, too, was just, like, insane. Right. Yeah, he definitely um, had, like, he would have something on the agenda to view that was way more interesting yeah. than what was playing in the theater at the time. Yep, yep. Absolutely. And I, and I will say, though, like, when we saw Brightburn, even though I know at some point he was falling asleep, and he was asleep, yeah. um, after the movie, he was still able to tell me all the stuff about the movie that I missed. <laughs> For sure. I could watch the movie through my sleep. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, that's obviously, yeah. like, leading into the blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like I've seen them all before. It's just like yeah. same movie, different haircut. <laughs> like I can tell you what happened once now. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah, so this mo- this episode of the podcast it's just a little different because you know um, we did recently lose Charles, so I wanted to do something kind of like talking about movies because I know Charles loved movies. That's one thing that kind of like brings us all together and, and definitely brought Charles into my life was like this shared love of like cinema and like good movies and like movies can be a real solitary you know experience like waking up real early and watching a movie like i did this morning or staying up really and watching me by yourself but they can also be like a real communal experience like going to a movie with a friend or a group of friends and then you know talking about it going out to eat before or after and talking about the movie and like being excited for a movie to come out and going to see it the night it comes out it can be like a real communal thing and so I definitely um, shared that love of cinema with with charles and i wanted to like do something um in terms of the podcast to kind of like um, I guess honor him or remember him. So definitely shout out to Charles. You know, definitely we miss you. Definitely. So yeah, anything else you guys want to say about movies or love of film? I know one time Justin told me that uh, everything he knew was from TV shows and movies. Probably Star Trek. And, and I've used that like a thousand times. Yeah, I know. I know you've told me that before. <laughs> yeah. My ethics are based on like a you know a secular humanist start through sure. uh, filter through Star Trek. Yeah, you know, I guess pop culture or whatever. But I learned a lot through movies, definitely. It's what's better. What's a better way to explore an idea, like a philosophical or political idea, than through a story, like right. a parable? I mean, that's what yeah people did in the beginning with like religion and stuff. Yeah, that's know. what the Bible is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's like I guess like you know that stuff. You you, you tell the story early enough, it really right. sets in. But yeah, but that's yeah, like that's how people understand things through narrative. Right. You know, I mean, it's better than like just lecturing somebody about what you think is right. Like, no, tell a good story about right. it, you know? Yeah, and it's a real immersive experience. So. Yeah. All right, cool. So, yeah, that's what I had. Anybody have anything else? No, I'm good. Yeah. No, I'm good. Thanks for thanks for having us. All right, cool. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, um, dear listener, for listening to the inane ramblings of three ex-video store employees. <laughs> venture still, into midlife. You're insane if you're still. <laughs> yeah, as they venture into the midlife crisis that waits. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Why can't we work at a movie, like a movie theater or a video store? Yeah, again? I wish video store. I wish I saw that gig. Best yeah. job ever. Best job ever. Best job, Best job ever. ever. I've yeah. told people that. Like I told somebody that at my work now. Yeah. Um, like in the past like year or so like the best job I ever had was at a video store and people looked at me like I was crazy I guess I would I'd ask that uh, Quentin Tarantino it's like you know it's like as far as like the simplicity and the stress you know simplicity of working at a video store and the stress and experiencing other people's work right. and the stress of like actually creating a movie a like multi-million dollar production it's like what did you you know what 
do you have like more nostalgia or fondness for like making movies or like working in the right. this or you know I would definitely ask Quentin to that question. We're gonna see what he says. Yeah, yeah. For me, like the you know the video store. If you think about the day in the life of going to the video store, so you show up there. You know, you put on a movie, you watch it, yeah. maybe like five people come in and then you pause it while they're in there. And the rest of the time you're like, you're eating candy, hanging out with Charles, getting yeah. Mexican food from El Dorado's and then like, yeah, going home. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and I will, I will share one more experience at the Cameron Village video store sure. when I was working there because yeah, again, you go in, you put on a movie or a TV series and in my case, uh, I don't know how many times I watched Arrested Development. Oh, like, from beginning story. to end, yeah. the entire series. I don't know how many times I watched it when I was working there. But one day when I was watching Arrested Development, this, like, normal, like, you know, regular customer comes in, and this guy's with her. And she looks up at the TV, and she's like, hey, there's you. And I look, and it's, uh, she's like, this is my brother. And it was Tony Hale who stars as Buster in Arrested Development. He's in a video store in Raleigh. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, this is, I, I don't know. I was just like, you know, I so was floored. There, so there was a moment when you like look on the screen and you see Buster. And I'm watching Arrested like, Development and the actor who stars as Buster is standing in front of me in front of the video store counter. And uh, yeah, he was in town for like the holidays or something. His sister lived there and oh, wow. they were there to like rent a movie. Oh, and cool. it was insane. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. That's wild. We definitely should have to do like a video store uh, episode like down the line where we like get like uh, I don't know like you know get Anna Benshop shout out Anna Mike Rickerby yeah, shout out Mike Rickerby she's back she's back in town yeah I get like all the old uh, Matt worked there yeah shout out Matt Stone shout out Michael Burns Michael Burns yeah shout out Tom Hibbard <laughs> yeah get everybody kind of reminisce about uh, working at the video store because it definitely was I mean in terms of employment. Um, it was the best job I'll ever have. I mean, yeah. you can't have a better job than like literally getting paid money to go watch movies all day. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, so. absolutely. Yeah, working these days is a grind. Like to be able to go to that job. Yeah, I have like, you know, I don't know. It was really good days. Yeah, really, really good days. You know. Yeah, those are the salad days. So, all right, guys. Thanks everybody. Thanks listeners. Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, yeah, come back in. Uh, if you're a still here, weeks, God bless. <laughs> Hi, Brett. Hi, Mom. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>